Welcome to the Christian Ministry Church Podcast. We're praying that this message equips and empowers you to live in the kingdom of God. Now for today's sermon by Pastor Tim Brooks. Turn to Philippians chapter 4, verse 19. We want to welcome all of you who are joining us on all of our many social media avenues. We're thrilled to have you hearing the word with us today. Turn to Philippians 4, verse 19. Today I want to look at this promise, this verse, and, and we all know it. My God shall supply all of your need according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. We've all heard of that verse, Philippians 4, 19. My God shall supply all of your need. Well, we've heard this. How do we respond to this? Well, first of all, is it true? Is that true? Secondly, can we depend on that happening? So, well, yeah, I, boy, you can depend on the word of God. That's, that's what it says. Okay, well, you don't have a job. You, you play video games all night long, so you sleep all day long, and then you hang out with your friends on social media, but you never leave your room, and now you're going to watch God supply all of your needs. I'm just asking here, could it be that you have a part in this promise? The title today is God's Part and Your Part. God created everything that's here. And then he told Adam to name the animals. Adam could name the animals, but Adam could not create the animals. Well, it's very clear right here from Genesis 1 and 2 that we have a part and that God has a part. Write this down. We can't do God's part, and God won't do our part. Now, God created a cow. Now, man started breeding those cows, and he bred cows to, that gave a lot of milk to bulls that produced milk-producing cows. And then man identified cows that had a lot of meat on them, and so he bred them to bulls that produced meat. And so man bred dairy cows and beef cows. But don't make any mistake, man didn't create the cow. We didn't create the cow. Man bred horses that just were bred to work a cow. Man bred horses that were bred to pick their feet up and prance and make show horses. But man didn't create a horse. I mean, man mixed some rock and sand and minerals and water, and he came up with concrete. But man did not create one thing that it takes to make concrete. Now, now get this in our mind. Man can cut down a tree and he can run it through a mill and, and he can come up with a two by four and a two by six and a two by eight and a two by 12 and, and plywood. And, but man did not create a tree. Write this down. We can't do God's part and God won't do our part. God created mankind to tend the garden. He didn't create mankind to create the garden. We're to do our part tending what God created. And as we tend the garden through a lot of management and work, now trees grow bigger and faster and taller than they ever did before. Now fruit is bigger. It, it's more juicy than it was before. 
we got homes that are luxurious, not just living under a rock or under an animal hide. We, 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 we've got cars that are more comfortable than, than you can imagine. I could go on and on and on. What is the result of man tending the garden? But make no mistake, you didn't create the garden. You didn't create any of those things that are necessary to build the car. We tended to it. We got to keep our thinking straight. God has a part, and mankind has a part. And, and we got to be straight in our thinking because we begin to think God will do everything, or we can think mankind has done everything. Well, we got to think about this. Our thinking gets a little off in Christianity because our salvation is all God. While you were yet a sinner, Jesus died for you. You didn't do one thing for it. I mean, not one thing. In his grace, in his mercy, in his love, it is unmerited. It's undeserved. You started with God. He loved you and reached out. You didn't seek God. He came to seek and save the lost. It's all God. Well, because we started with God with nothing on our part, it begins to be easy to think that everything pertaining to God and everything pertaining to us living in the kingdom of God requires nothing on our part, and it couldn't be further from the truth. And I hear way too often, I prayed, it didn't happen. Tim, I don't even believe in God. I'm an atheist. You're an atheist, really? Why? Because there is no God. I prayed. God didn't do this. God didn't do that. Well, well, let's understand some things that we tend to ignore. Two weeks ago, I taught here on Psalms 91. Some of you remember that message in Psalms 91. And we talked about one chapter 91, verse 1 and 2. He is my refuge, my fortress, my ever-present help in times of trouble. Well, I ask, okay, who is that to? Well, it's not to everybody. He, he, it's not to everybody. He's very clear. Those who've been dwelling in the secret place of the Most High, I am their refuge and their fortress. And Okay, now let's get our thinking straight. When you read the promise in the Bible, before I expect it, before I'm mad at God for not delivering, is it for me? Is that promise from God for me, to me, in the lifestyle that I'm currently living? Is it to me in the lifestyle that I'm living right now? The second question that we have to always ask when we read a promise from God is, what does God desire me to do? What's my part? There are two categories of promises in Scripture. There are unconditional promises, and there are conditional promises. Matthew chapter 24, just real quick, here's an unconditional promise. However, no one knows the day or the hour when these things will happen, not even the angels in heaven or the Son himself, only the Father knows. For when the Son of Man returns, it's going to be like it was in Noah's day. In those days before the flood, the people were enjoying banquets and parties and weddings right up to the time Noah entered his boat. 
People didn't even realize what was going to happen until the flood came and swept them all away. That's the way it's going to be. Two men going to be working together in the field, one taken, the other left. Two women grinding flour at the mill, one taken, the other left. So you must be careful to watch. You don't know the day or the Lord is coming. Understand this, if a homeowner knew exactly when the burglar was coming, he'd keep a watch and not permit his house to be broken into. You also must be ready at all time, for the Son of Man will come when least expected. You can write this down, that's going to happen. Jesus is coming back. And you can write that down. Agree, disagree, I mean, whatever you want to do, Jesus is coming back. That's an unconditional promise. Then we read conditional promises. Second Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14. If my people, who are called by my name, come on, help me, will humble themselves, will pray, will seek my face, will turn from their wicked ways, then, then I will hear from heaven. Then I, see, that's a conditional promise. And we've got to make sure that we understand the difference because too often God's conditional promises are taken as unconditional promises. You can write this down. God has a part, and you have a part. Too many think God's going to do everything while they do nothing. I'm going to live my life exactly like I want. I'm going to turn my life over to the ruling of my carnal, lustful, sinful nature. I'm going to gratify the lust of my flesh and do whatever my flesh wants. And then I'm going to get mad at God when he won't do what he said he's going to do. And I'm mad at the church, and I'm never coming to church again. And those people down there at that church, I mean, don't start in all that when God doesn't come through for you. You need to write this down. God has a part, and you've got a part in this. 2 Corinthians chapter 3 tells us we are co-laborers with him. We are co-laborers with him. That means you're responsible for some things here. You know, many think that God is in control. Some of us grew up as Christians in the 80s. Well, we had a catchy song, God is in control. We believe. Well, I mean, that was a song. Now, we had bumper stickers, God is in control, and we had T-shirts. and it was, it was great. It was, it was a neat saying. It, it's just not scriptural, but it's real catchy. Genesis 1, 26, 27, and 28 he created us in his image, and he said, they will reign, they will rule, they will take dominion. See, you've got to understand, God is not control of everything here on earth. A man can get drunk and wreck his car. God's not going to slap the beer bottle out of your hand. A man can go in and rob a bank. You can get a gun and go shoot a bunch of innocent people. I mean, you, you can overdose on drugs. God's not going to grab that needle and throw it out the window. To say God is in control is a little misleading. And don't question God. Why, God, why didn't you do? The truth is God's questioning you. Why did you do that? What? What? what did, why did you do that? See, we're questioning God and mad at God. And God's got some questions for you. Like, seriously? You didn't just do that. There are conditions on God's blessings, and you and I have a part to play in this life. A father tells his son, said, son, 
I'm going to buy you a brand new car when you finish college. Well, the son packs up and goes off to his freshman year in college. And in two weeks, he hates college, hated classes, wasn't fixing to start studying. He comes home and says, Dad, I am finished with college. I'm ready for my car. See, we think one thing about our promise, and God thinks another thing about his promise. And the mistake we make is you don't decide the conditions. I'm finished with college. Oh, well, well, you're not. Well, you're not. Now we got the son mad at the father. The father didn't do what he said. You can't trust him. I don't even believe I have a dad. I don't even believe in my father. Wait a minute. You know, another problem that causes many people to be mad at God, question God, not believe in God, God said he would supply all of my need. Well, many have their own idea about how they want God to supply all of their need. Here, God's plan is for the next 35 to 40 years, you serve other people. You give to other people. For the next 35 or 40 years, you build houses for people. You fix people's roofs. You plumb people's You repair people's cars. See, for the next 40 years, you serve other people, and all of your need will constantly be met. As you give, it's going to be given unto you. But see, many have their own need about how they want God to meet their need. Matthew 25, 21, if you're faithful in a little then you'll be rulers over much. See Galatians 6, 9, don't grow weary in well-doing, for in due season, okay, well, there's no sense in praying for God to meet your need when you quit right before due season. Are you hearing this? Don't be mad at God. God's got a part, and you've got a part. Well, we've got to understand God's motivation for his promise. God's not a sugar daddy just doling out $100 bills. There's two reasons for God to bless you. Now, you need to know this. Deuteronomy 8.18, God wants to bless you in order to establish his covenant with you. I am in covenant with God. God has so blessed me. God's hand has been on me. I so love God. I so appreciate God. See, God has blessed me to the point that I am established in my covenant with him because I recognize his blessings on my life. See, God wants to bless you in order to establish his covenant with you. Genesis 12, 2, the second reason God wants to bless you is to enable you to be a blessing. You can't bless somebody else unless you've been blessed. So God wants to bless you so that you can be a blessing. Oh, we're praying for a new car. Well, why? So you can look cool. So you can kill yourself in it driving drunk. So you can get a girl. So you can build your pride in this hot new car that you've got. Or you want a car to get you to work, get you to church, haul young people to youth group. So you can, are, you, are you hearing this? See, you want a bigger house. Why do you want a bigger house? So you can have the biggest house on the block and everybody can look, whoa, look at him because look how rich he is. Or do you want a bigger house so you can hold Bible study in there on Thursday night so that you can help young people get on their feet so that you can give a free room to somebody to stay in while they're visiting in town. See, what? 
you, God wants to bless you so that you can be a blessing, not so that you can hoard it up and be selfish all your whole life. What you have is to bless other people. We're just looking at Philippians 4.19. God will supply our need. Well, why doesn't he? I mean, you can't trust God. I don't even believe in God. Well, before you start all that, here's another question to ask. Who caused this need? Who call, God's going to supply your need. You're in need. Who caused this need? You need to know, the Bible says God finishes what he authors. See, God finishes what he starts. You can't do something totally out of God's will for your life and then want him to fix it. Did God tell you to start that? Did God tell you to go there? Did God tell you to get in that relationship? Did God tell you to borrow money and now you've got monthly payments that are choking the life out of you and so now you're begging God for a financial miracle when he never told you to get in that debt to begin with? See, we want God to fix what often God wants us to change. So I read in a book about great speakers, they pause for emphasis. So watch this again now that you know that, watch this. See, we want God to fix what often God wants us to change. Now you ready for it? See, that's emphasis on what I just said. You pray all you want for God to bring you money, but until you quit being lazy, until you go get a job, until you quit being irresponsible. See, God wants you to make a change, and that's why that fix, that need, that problem is in your life. Don't doubt God. Don't be mad at God when something needs to change in your own life. We're just looking at Philippians 4.19. God will supply all of your need. Well, is your need that you have right now, is it caused by disobedience? Is it caused by disobedience? If it is, then that need is to bring you to repentance and obedience. I'd ask for a show of hands. How many have really messed their life up? And at the bottom of your boat, I got to turn this around. <laughs> I would say, see, that need, that need brought the prodigal son to be like, look here. I'm leaving these pigs in this slop, and I'm going back. But had all the people around that prodigal son kept feeding him and taking care of him and feeding and taking care of him, it was his need that brought him to the... Are you getting this? Careful. I mean, this is just a side note here. Careful about giving money to those on the street holding a sign. Be careful about that. I mean, they're in need. But if the need gets bad enough, they'll get a job and serve people. They'll, they'll start serving people and giving to society. They'll get a job cooking for other people, washing for other people, cleaning, building somebody a house, fixing somebody's roof, hauling somebody's trash, mowing somebody's lawn. See, they will get money when the need gets bad enough for them to go get some money. It, the, the Bible says it's in giving that you receive. Be careful about giving to somebody who's not giving. See, be careful about somebody receiving who is not giving anything to help anybody else. 
God does not enable, God does not provide money for you to live in disobedience to Him. And you need to know that. Now, God doesn't provide money for you to continue in your sin. Well, the church sure doesn't need to. It's really sad that the church wants to foster, wants to support, wants to enable people who are living their personal life in disobedience to God. Laziness, irresponsibility. It's God's plan that you give and serve other people. And as you give, as you serve at a tire shop, as you work in a restaurant, as you do people's tax forms for them, as you work in the healthcare system, as you serve other people, then your needs are met in life. And the church can't continue to feed people who are doing nothing for anybody else. The church can't meet the needs of people who do nothing for anybody else because you enable them to live disobedient to God's Word. 2 Thessalonians 3.10, if you don't work, you don't eat. Well, be careful about feeding somebody who ain't working. Philippians 4.19, my God will supply your need. There is a plan for him to do that. You work hard. You help other people achieve their goals you help other people fix their problem and then your needs are met just careful about giving to people who are doing nothing for anybody else now here's a quote I read early in 1970s and it stuck with me all these years you'll have to really wake up and you're gonna have to really pay attention or this is going right over your head so has everybody got their thinking cap on now, you got to use your smart part of your brain right now. If we fix the fix that God fix to fix a man, then God will have to fix another fix to fix him. Ooh, a lot of fixing. For those who are slower than others. If we fix the fix that God fixed to fix that. See, the fix that I'm in is designed to fix me. It's designed to cause a change in me. And if somebody fixes the fix that God fixed to fix me, then you put God in a position of having to fix another fix to fix him. I'm going to move on. Some of you forget it. You won't never catch that. God uses our need to bring us in line and obedience to his purpose and will for our life. And when I get out of God's will, when I get out of his purposes, life gets rough. Life gets really, really tough. And God uses that to bring me back in line with his will and his plan and his purpose for me. And the last thing that we need is the church fixing your problem so that you can continue to live in sin. you got to see, why am I in need? And repent and change. God uses our need to bring us to repentance. I want to repent. I want to change. I want to get obedient to God and then live blessed. Some time ago, a lady came up to me right after church, 
and said, Pastor, can the church help me with my electric bill and my rent? And I said, absolutely. The church not only can help you, we can pay all of your rent and all of your electric bill. I'm probably going to give you some money for food. Oh, you never saw such bright eyes. And then I said, but here's first, I want you to come to my office first thing tomorrow morning. And I want you to tell me your plan so that the church doesn't have to pay your rent next month. So I got this blank look. So I want to know a plan, and if you don't have one, then I want to help you with a plan to get you. Look here, we're going to help you. We're fixing to help you. We're going to jump in with both feet and help you. But what we're going to do is I'm going to start working with you. I know a lot of people that have a lot of job openings. We want to get you in a job. We want to get you served. See, I want, I'm, going to, I'm not going to just pay your electric bill. I want to help you get yourself where this won't happen next month or the next month or the next month. So I'm not only going to help you with your rent and your uh, 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 utilities. I'm going to pay them all. And then I'm going to give you some cash for food. Meet me first thing Monday morning and let's work on a plan. You're not going to believe this. She didn't show up. She didn't say, I told her, look here, I'm going to give you more than you asked for. She didn't show up. See, we want God to do our part. With no change in the way I'm living, I'm not going to change anything about what I'm doing. God, you said you would supply my need, and I want you to do that. Well, y'all might want to write this down. God has a part, and you'll have a part. And just not many people want to hear about their part. God is after change. He's after growth. He's after maturity. He wants the old man being cut off. He wants the new man being conformed into his image more and more Each day that we live, we're becoming more and more like him. And God wants to cut off all of this other stuff in our life. So we have to ask, is your health issue the result of your eating and your lack of exercise? Is your marital problem a result of your mouth, your temper, your irresponsibility, your verbal abuse to everybody in the home? See, you've you got to understand, God has a part, but you have a part in a great marriage. You have a part in this. We're just looking at Philippians 4, 19 today. My God shall supply all of your need. Well, why doesn't he? Why isn't he? Well, Malachi chapter 3, verse 8, 9, and 10 talks very clearly, very candidly about us robbing God. And he said, you're robbing me. By not paying your tithe. Now, a tithe, the word tithe means 10%. So, you you pay a tithe. Then, you can give an offering, and your offering is above the 10% that's owed him. Malachi, very clear, we're cursed. I'm under a curse. Well, no sense in me praying God meet my need when I am live when I have placed my life under a curse because I'm robbing God with the paying of my tithe and the giving of my offering. Now I don't have time to teach on 
paying our tithe and giving our offering. But, but just real quick, that's, that's 10% of what we bring in that is owed to God. We, we pay our tithe. That's not a gift. Now, Terry and I, we pay our tithe to this church. You'll pay your tithe anywhere else. This is where we're committed. This is where we're being fed. This is where God has planted us. This is where God has put us to fund the youth group, to fund our school, to fund all the outreaches. This is where my tithe goes. Next week, I'm going to be speaking in a church in Missouri. Before I leave town, I will write my check. And whether I'm here, whether I'm not, I'm going to pay my tithe to this church. Now, when I'm in another church, I may give an offering. Terry and I personally send an offering to Honduras every month. From time to time, I see somebody, young person, needing to get ahead in life and help them buy them a new set of tires for their car. See, we're giving offerings on a regular basis, and that goes wherever I see a need. But you pay your tithe here. Malachi is very clear on this. I'm not ever going to come to this altar and pray for God's blessings and pray for him to meet my need when I am robbing him, whether I'm robbing him. Now, whether I'm in town or whether I'm out of town, you can know we're going to have our tithe money here week in and week out because I want to do everything that I can to keep myself in the place where God can meet my need. Is this making sense to you? We're just looking at Philippians 4 19 for those who are just waking up and joining us. My God shall supply all of your need. Well, why doesn't he? Why doesn't he? Well, Genesis chapter 8, verse 22 says, As long as the earth remains, there will be seed time and harvest. 2 Corinthians 9, 6, remember this. A farmer who plants only a few seeds is going to get a small crop. But one who plants generously will get a generous crop. Proverbs 24, the lazy man that will not plow, he will beg during harvest and have nothing. Why doesn't God meet my need? You're not plowing. Get a hold of that plow. That's the reason he's not meeting your need. See, well, we got to see something. I don't know if you've had a chance to write this down or not, but you need to see God has a part, and you have a part in his promises and provisions for our life. There's no reason for you to get mad at God, doubt God's existence, question the validity of Scripture when you've not gotten straight God's part and your part. Tim, why is this not taught in Christianity today? Why, why is this not taught in church today? Well, it's, it's pretty simple. If you're going to write a book, you title a book, Experience God's Blessings. Or you write a book, The Consequences of Not Tithing. Which one you think will sell? I'm just saying. See, we all want to hear about God's part, but we're not very interested in reading about our part. See, I'm, boy, I'm in line by all the books I can on God's part. But count me out on reading a book on my part. So I want a large crowd in church. I want to build this. Now listen, I want to build our church. I want large crowds. I want large crowds. I want everybody hearing the word. I want everybody's life affected. I got a choice. I can preach the consequences and punishment of disobedience to God. Or I can preach God gets you. God loves you, and God wants to bless you. Now, which do you think will be a larger crowd? Uh, this is just 
a pastoral staff here, and we meet on a regular basis, and we're committed. We're committed in this church. Yes, we are very interested in more people and more numbers because we want to see more people touched. We're interested in more people. But we will never be more interested in more people than we will on telling you what God says he will bless and what God says he's going to curse. And you need to know that. We have to tell you that. God will bless this. He will curse that. And the chips have to fall where they may. God loves the sacrifice of praise. God inhabits the praise of his people. If we don't praise him, the stones along the road will praise him. God inhabits the sacrifice of our praise. But let's remember 1 Samuel 15, 22, God had rather have obedience than your praise. Write this down. You can't out-praise and dance the consequences of disobedience in your life. It's just the way it is. 1 Samuel 13, Saul was offering sacrifice, and God was very clear. I want your obedience. I want your obedience. 1 Corinthians 10, you can't drink the cup of the Lord in the cup of demons too. James chapter 1 talks about being double-minded. You can't come in here and praise and be one way in church and then go out here and live another way during the week and expect the sermon to work in your life. I'd love to tell you that God accepts however you want to live. I'd love to tell you God gets you. Do whatever your fleshly desires want to do. I'd pack this place out, and I'd love to tell you. But, but I have to tell you what God said. And God said he will bless faithfulness. He will bless obedience. He will bless giving. He will bless you serving. And God said he would curse sin. That's not a popular sermon today. But it is the truth that will put you blessable by God and in peace with God. And it will put you in a place where your needs in life will be met. I want to go back to the story that I opened with. Dad told the son, I'll buy you a new car when you finish college. After a couple of weeks, son hates college, quits college. Dad, I'm finished college, I want my new car. Be very careful about blaming God, about being mad at God. Be, be careful about rejecting your belief in God. Be careful about questioning God as to why he didn't do whatever it is you prayed about. Begin with questioning yourself. God, what changes do I need to make? Before you twist off on God and don't believe in God, you might want to say, God, show me where... I went wrong. God, God, in all of this, show me what I need to learn. See, God has a part, and you have a part. And here's what I want you to know. God's got his part. The question is, is do you have yours? 
Y'all stand with me. Lord, today we thank you for your provisions. We thank you for your faithfulness. We thank you for your, your consistency. We thank you, Lord. And now, Lord, we roll up our sleeves and we see ourselves change. We're going to walk in change. We're going to be molded into your image. Lord, we're cutting off some old and we're putting on some new. Lord, we're turning rotten things around in our life. Lord, we live in our life obedient to you and in sync with your will and your plan and your purpose for our life. We give you glory today. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Have a great week and happy 4th of July. Thank you for listening to this message from Christian Ministries Church. If this message impacted you and you'd like to sow into our ministry, you can give at cmchurch.com. If you'd like to listen to more of our messages, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Just search for Christian Ministries. God bless.